Welcome to Progressive Pockets. I go by Gigi, that's short for Gennet Gimja, and I'm your host. On this podcast, the topic is what we can do about that feeling of disconnect that we might feel within ourselves when we vote one way and our politics and our beliefs are one way, but we realize that our money is working in the opposite direction. For example, you're recycling, you're driving a fuel-efficient car, but you're invested in companies that are leading the destruction of our earth. Or maybe you're an ally at your job, in your community, you're fighting for racial and gender equity, but all your money is in a bank that's financing politicians who are actively working against those goals. That disconnected feeling is what we're tackling on this show, with short episodes that are practical and offer gentle suggestions. At the end of the day, our problems weren't built in one day, and our efforts to fix them aren't going to take one day either. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. I'm hoping it will be interesting and surprising and helpful. I want to talk about ESG. It's all the rage these days with people like you and I who want more than just to maximize our profits. We're looking for ways to invest that can still line up with our ethical beliefs, our political beliefs, our social beliefs, and our values. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And you might hear this type of investing referred to a lot of different ways. Some people call it impact investing. Some people call it ethical investing. You might hear it referred to as socially responsible investing, sustainable investing, or values-aligned investing. That one's probably the most accurate. (laughs) Um, Some people have started to call it ESG investing, and that's probably the worst nickname of all. It's just not a good catch-all name for this type of investing, and you're going to understand why by the end of this episode. I promise you in 10 minutes, you're going to know more about what ESG is and what it isn't. Um, compared to the vast majority of people I have talked to at all kinds of personal finance conferences and meetups. I'm not even sure that uh, a lot of financial planners even know what ESG really means. So today, I just want to have a very concise, clear, simple conversation about what it is and what it isn't. And I can't wait for your feedback to know if you have any other questions about ESG. So let's get started. So historically, whenever you think about ethical investing um, in the olden days, (laughs) typically investors would go through two phases. So the first phase is usually called negative screening. And this is where you take companies out of your portfolio that don't line up with your values. Historically, I would read a lot of investors talking about tobacco companies or firearm companies or pornography, but you might have different values. Like for you, maybe what's more important is really taking out, so negatively screening the um, fossil fuel companies, for example. So that's negative screening. That's where you take a look at all of your investments and you you pluck out, you take out the investments that just don't line up with your values. That's phase one. The second phase would be what's called positive screening. 
And that is where you are adding into your portfolio companies that are proactively doing the things that you care about. So maybe it's a green company. Maybe they're a wind or solar energy company. Maybe this is a company that's taken a stand on how they treat human beings. So they're their employees or the companies where they operate. So these are companies that are proactively trying to do something to heal our planet and our people. That's positive screening. And that's historically how ethical investing worked. Nowadays, though, most of us are investing in funds and not really picking individual stocks like we used to. And there are a lot of socially responsible funds or values aligned funds, whatever you want to call them, the worst nickname being ESG funds. The big investing platforms all have them. I've seen them with BlackRock, Vanguard, Merrill, you name it. They've got their ESG type of index funds or ETFs. And I think it's because everyday investors like you and me are super interested in these types of investment opportunities. More and more of us are wanting to feel like our investments line up with our politics, our ethics. And, you know, even if they're not perfectly aligned, they're not going to be perfectly aligned. At least we don't want there to be a huge disconnect. I think this is awesome. I I just think that it's unfortunate that the shorthand, nick, the shorthand nickname for a lot of these types of funds is ESG funds. <laughs> but here we are. So you can log into wherever you invest and you might take a look and see what is included in the ESG fund that they offer. What have they excluded? You might see that they have more than one ESG index fund or ETF that they're offering. Or when you double click on the index fund or, or um, ETF, you might find that all companies are still included in the fund, but more money is put towards the companies with better ESG scores. Or maybe they only included companies that passed a certain threshold of ESG score. You'll, you'll just have to kind of click around on your platform and see how did they decide what to include in the fund. And then ESG funds are going to tend to charge higher fees than traditional funds. So when you're you're clicking around to see what's been included and excluded, you can also look at the fees. And they're almost certainly going to be higher than the fees that you pay for a fund that doesn't do any kind of ESG screening. The reason that the investing platforms are giving for the higher fees is because they're saying it requires extra work on their side. <laughs> I'm skeptical of this because to me, it just seems like it's an extra line of code to add a criteria for ESG. But hey, what do I know? I don't work for an investment bank. But anyway, look at the fees and make sure that you're comfortable with them. And look to see if they're including like what the what the threshold was for how they're including companies or how they're not. Unfortunately, there's no standardized way to measure ESG. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, too. There are some popular ratings agencies like MSCI and Sustainalytics. Those are the ones that you're going to hear. But even they, even the top two, MSCI and Sustainalytics, can vary quite a bit on the ESG ratings. They'll give the exact same company. And sometimes the scores can be pretty different. 
it can be really difficult to measure ESG. Um, because here's the thing. It's, it's like, are you looking at just the company's operations? What about their supply chain? What about their partners? And then how do you know if they're like greenwashing their true environmental impact? Or are they really about that life? So these are the things that are tough. But let's start with the basics. What exactly does ESG measure? Now, here's where you're going to learn in five minutes <laughs> or less what the vast majority of people don't know and why it's so misleading to refer to ESG as a nickname for socially responsible or values-aligned investing. I'm going to link a couple of explainer videos if you want more detail from both MSCI and Sustainalytics. And I'll give you a high-level explanation here. In order to be assigned an ESG rating, a company is examined and some analysis is done to figure out or to estimate how much risk exposure they have and how much risk their profits are exposed to depending on their industry or where in the world they operate. And then there's an analysis done on how well they're managing the risk and they get a rating, a risk rating. Okay, so let me say that even more simply. A company is analyzed and a risk assessment is done to see how at risk a company's profitability is, period. So that's what an ESG score, it's a risk rating. It's an ESG risk rating to the company's profitability. How risky are the company's profits? There are three categories. E is for environment. So these are the types of questions that will be asked in the analysis. How might environmental factors risk the company's profits? Do they use ingredients that come from nature? <laughs> Maybe they make and sell granola bars. Do they need to grow ingredients? Do they need to put the final products onto boats to get them to the customer? And how careful are they in managing those risks? Do they have sloppy practices that are maybe like in how they source the ingredients or how they ship the products that could put the company's profits at risk and therefore put your investment at risk? If the answer is yes, they'll get a worse e-score, a worse environmental score. S is for social. This is the next component of the ESG rating. For social, the questions that'll be asked are, how can employee factors risk the company's profits? Do their employees keep getting hurt on the job so much so that the company's profits could be at risk? That will affect their ESG rating. Do they keep having product recalls that actually affect their profitability? Or do people keep still buying their products even with all the recalls? In that case, it won't affect their ESG ratings. And yeah, it's weird that you know, product recalls and product safety would go under the social <laughs> category of ESG, but it's just another weird thing about ESG. Um, also in this social category, the question that would be asked about a company is, do they have a lot of data breaches to the point that it affects their profitability? If it does, that's going to lower their social score for their ESG rating. 
And then the last category is G for governance. This is primarily about a company's board. Is there something about the way that they pay their board that could lower the company's profitability? If so, it'll affect their ESG rating. Could their profitability be affected by how transparent they are in paying their taxes? This could affect the G rating on their ESG rating. I want to use the word risk as many times as possible during this discussion because that's the word that gets left out of almost every ESG conversation. You'll also notice the way that I was asking the questions about the company to get at their ESG score. I was asking could their profitability be hurt by dot, dot, dot. So my frustration with ESG is that it's discussed as though it's a measure of how well a company treats the environment, how well they treat their employees, how well they govern themselves. That's just not what ESG measures or what it was even designed to do. ESG doesn't measure how wholesome a company is. ESG does not measure if a company is a good corporate citizen. A great ESG score doesn't mean that a company is helpful to the environment or to our society. A high environmental score doesn't mean that a company is green. It doesn't mean that they have low emissions. It doesn't mean that they're trying to have lower emissions. It doesn't mean they recycle. None of that. ESG is a risk rating. How risky is your investment from an environmental standpoint? Do you hear the distinction in that? The valuation is on whether your money will be safe, not whether the environment will be safe. ESG was designed so you could look at two companies who might have similar profitability and to pick which, comp which company is safer for your money, Right. So ESG is answering the question of which company will have higher operational costs in litigation. Yeah, sure. Two companies might be equally profitable, but one of the companies is riskier. So your money isn't quite as safe. That's why ESG was invented to tell you when two companies are equally profitable, which one might be riskier in terms of its profitability. How certain are you that their level of profitability will continue or increase? This is dramatically different than how you're going to hear less informed investors talk about ESG. They're going to say, you know, I really care about the environment. So I really look at ESG to make sure it's a great score before I invest. But that's not what a great ESG score means. It doesn't mean that a company is a good steward of the environment. A high E score on, on the ESG tells you your money's safe here based on an analysis that has concluded that they probably won't get into a lawsuit about their environmental operations. They probably won't have an expensive environmental disaster that they have to pay for. ESG is measuring how risky it is for you to put your money with that company, 
not how well the company minimizes its environmental destruction. So the ESG readers look at a company and they look for actions that they're taking, which might put your investment at risk. Are they sloppy with how they move things around? Could they have an oil spill? Are they really lax about their IT infrastructure? Could there be a cybersecurity hack that could put your investment at risk? Is there a board known for being corrupt? Um, could one of the executives steal a bunch of the company's money, which would then put your investment at risk? And again, it's only caring about these things in so much as they might affect a company's profitability. So even if it's determined that a company is playing fast and loose, if the Raiders don't think that that will ultimately affect a company's profitability, it's not going to affect their ESG score. When you listen to the executives at MSCI and Morningstar and Sustainalytics talk about why they started the ESG ratings in the first place, they say point blank, and this is a quote, sustainable investing is top of mind for investors who want to manage the risk in their portfolios. But it's like, no, <laughs> that's actually not what you know, impact investors are worried about. They're not worried about the risk to their financial investment. They're worried about the risk to the environment and to our people. And by the way, that quote is from Laura Letton. She's the director of ESG risk products at Morningstar Sustainalytics. I think that's what bothers me is that ESG was created to measure how safe a company's profits are. And yet it has been branded as a measure of the goodness of a company. And I don't even know if that was the original intent to give this false halo. I don't know if the creators of ESG meant to trick people into thinking it was a measure of goodness. Maybe it was one of those situations where investors were misunderstanding the intent and the creators didn't really correct them <laughs> because it was hugely popular and making a lot of money. Kind of reminds me, I had a friend that was at a career fair once looking for a job and the recruiter he was talking to thought he had said he was a student at Harvard University. And even though my friend clearly heard the recruiter and knew that the recruiter had misheard him, he was like, well, I mean, it's not my fault he misheard me. I'm not going to correct him. <laughs> and so I don't know if that's what's happened with ESG as well. <laughs> I don't know if the creators felt like they were being super clear that it's actually a measure of how, um, how much at risk a company's profits are. And, you know, everybody was running with this very different understanding that ESG was a measure of how good a company is. And maybe maybe the creators just didn't correct them. I don't know. I don't know. But if you do a deeper dive on the MSCI website, like I did, eventually you'll find the tiny disclaimers about what ESG ratings are and what they're not. And here's what I found in their words buried deep within their website. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. ESG ratings are designed for one purpose, to, to measure a company's resilience to financially material, environmental, societal, and governance risks. Our ESG ratings provide a window into one facet of risk to financial performance. They are not a general measure of corporate goodness, 
a barometer on any single issue or a synonym for sustainable investing. I can say it even more concisely than that. ESG ratings tell you how safe your money is, not how socially responsible the company is. It has been proven that ESG investments tend to do as well or better than traditional investments. And that's because, you know, the what ESG even really means. So it makes perfect sense. Of course, a company with higher ESG scores is going to do as well or better than a company with worse ESG scores because ESG, say it with me, is measuring risk to a company's profitability. So yeah, (laughs) if a company has a worse ESG scores, it means that they are more risky in terms of their profitability. They aren't taking big chances that are going to end them up in hot water, you know, hot legal or regulatory water. They aren't taking the big risks that could end up in doing something that could affect their profitability, like an oil spill or something that would get them expensive fines or lawsuits or, you know, a hit to the public's perception of the brand, lower excitement about buying their stocks. A worse ESG score indicates that a company is out here playing a riskier game. So, of course, they're going to face higher capital costs, more volatility in general. If you step away from ESG ratings and think about companies that are actually more socially responsible, So these are the companies that are out here trying to do right by the environment, trying to do right by the people who work there, et cetera. I have read some analysis that those companies do tend to do better financially. For example, there are links between higher diversity of the leadership and uh, higher profitability for the company. And I'm going to link a paper that draws out that link between gender diversity and performance in the show notes that was written by a professor. I think it's Professor Zhang at Harvard Business School. So I'm going to end with a wish. My wish is that someone out there, please develop a widespread scoring system to evaluate how harmful a company is to our planet and to our people. I'd love to be able to use it to compare companies within and across industries. I'm not asking you to tell me how profitable a company is. I want to know how harmful the company is. And I get that there's some subjectivity to that. Maybe I care about the climate crisis and somehow you still don't believe in climate change. (laughs) I get that. Although, TBH, you're probably not listening to the show if you don't believe in climate change. (laughs) But, you know, everybody can have different values. And so I get that if someone's coming up with a better tool, a better... um, rating system that there's going to be some subjectivity. But I think that's fine. I think we can disagree about some things. But please, someone make the tool and then just be clear about how you came up with your scores. What are the specific questions you asked? Where did you get the data? And then leave it to investors to decide if it matches up with their values or not. We can tweak it from there, but we just need something completely new and very different. So when they came up with the ESG ratings, what they did and what they continue to do is they they use publicly available data. Companies don't have to do a full accounting of here's what our emissions are, yada, yada. I don't even know that raters would be able to fully trust that because, I don't know, they might be just greenwashing their data. You would need to have some regulatory 
body that could confirm their data. But what raters do to come up with ESG scores is they just take publicly available data and use that to come up with the ratings. And that includes data like, have there been any recent scandals that the company has had? So if you're out there listening and this is your field, please come up with something that actually measures a company's harm on the planet and our people. I am sure that a lot of everyday investors don't know that ESG is a measurement of how risky a company's profits are, but I'm concerned that fund managers might not even know this, and I'm concerned based on interviews I've heard. (laughs) So um, I know that a lot of investors, including young people, are starting to think about their investments, and they're going to be interested in options that actually address the risk to our planet than the risk to our money. So please, please, if you're someone that can do this, we can't keep thinking about our money and our social impact as two completely different goals. But in the meantime, if you're going through an evolution like I am, and I have been for the past few years of really starting to question where I'm investing and trying to figure out how to bring it more in line with my social and environmental values, I think we need to do what we can for now while we push for systemic changes. I don't want you or I to get analysis paralysis and let perfection be the enemy of progress. Most of my listeners are listening from America. We don't have those social safety nets here that might exist in other countries. Um, In our country, we need to figure out how we're not going to work until we die. So we have to invest our money. We can't let our money just sit and do nothing while we search and keep searching to try to find the best, most socially responsible investment opportunity. Let's invest it somewhere for now while we continue to look for places to invest that are closer and closer to our values. So if you see something that looks like it might be okay um, in terms of your values, put your money there for now while you continue to look for even better and better choices. All right. Thanks to those of you who stuck around for this passionate clarification of what ESG is and what it isn't. I left a lot of links in the show notes today so you can do a deeper dive. I'd love to know if you have other questions about ESG and how you're hearing your friends and family talk about it. I'd love to hear how you're thinking about this upcoming year and how you're trying to live in more alignment with your values, you can email progressivepockets at gmail.com. Maybe today got you thinking about a few topics you'd like to hear on the show. I'm working on a couple of episodes right now that I think you're going to enjoy. In the meantime, you can find the backlog of over 100 episodes at progressivepockets.com. What else? Um, you can get in touch via Twitter. The handle is Progressive Pockets without any vowels. And uh, yeah, let's end with a quote that I think perfectly fits today's episode. This one comes from Mark Twain. The way to get ahead is to get started. Let's talk again soon. 